you know, I want to read a pass, uh, passage of Scripture, and uh, you can look. I think they're going to put this on the screen in Mark chapter 16, uh, and then we're going to pray together. Is everybody ready for the Word? All right, here we go. Here we go. Anybody knows me, you all know I'm just a mild-mannered, uh, calm, dignified preacher. Mark 16, I love this. Starting verse 9. Now when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. When they had heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form for two of, to two of them as they walked and went into the country went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Now we all see a pattern developing here. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized. I mean, before I go any further, let me just say this. I mean, is it incredible? You know, we have here, and they did not believe. And they did not believe. And they did not believe. And then Jesus looks at him. He says, now go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Does he realize these are unbelievers he's talking to? Doubters and unbelievers? He says, uh, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up services. They drink anything deadly. By no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Are you ready for this? Verse 20. And they, all of those doubting unbelievers, they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word. Confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word today. God, speak to us. God, let the power of your gospel rise in our hearts today. God, let a seed of faith be sparked in the side of every spirit today. God, let, let the miraculous, supernatural power of the gospel, God, begin to issue forth in this place today. Father, you may raise up a supernatural people in this house to touch this community. In the name of Jesus, we love you and bless you. Somebody said amen. All right, you can be seated. You know, this struck me so interesting. Uh, in such an interesting way. You know, when I was reading this one day and he says, you know, all right, Mary Magdalene came to them, they did not believe. Other people come, tell them, they did not believe. Someone else comes, tell them, they did not believe. Three times it says they just, no, we don't believe it. And Jesus comes now in, in a room to these same people, and he says to them, he says, go into all the world. Preach. In other words, preach the gospel. In other words, he, here's what he's saying. He's saying to them, you know, this is after the resurrection, okay? And then he had already shown himself to 500 people, the Bible says, alive, resurrected. And, and, and now he's getting ready to go back to be with the Father. 
All right? So now he's leaving behind his mission. Are you with me? In other words, he's, 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 he's leaving the task that he's been up to. He's leaving it in. He's got to leave it in to some people's hands. And he looks at these doubting unbelievers, and he tells them, he said, you're the ones that's going to go to the world and preach the gospel uh, to every creature, and you're the ones that's going to move in supernatural power. I mean, you know, when I first read this, I just had this it means that if I was there, I probably would have looked at, uh, come over to Jesus, whispered in his ear and said, Jesus, do you realize who it is that you're talking to? Do you realize what kind of guys these are? These bunch of doubters, unbelievers. These, these are the guys. Jesus, do you know these are they're the guys that have been fighting with each other? Who's over, who is going to be the greatest? They're prideful. You know, one of them cut off somebody's ear. You know, do you realize... Do you realize that one of these guys is, is Peter who denied you three times? You're, you're going to leave this mission with... Do you understand who you're... Y'all with me now. Who you're leaving this with? And and I have a feeling Jesus would look, turn around to me and say, Shut up, Shelton. I've, I've got a secret that you don't know about. What is the secret? Well, it's interesting that when you end up with verse 14, three times, don't believe, don't believe, don't believe, through verse 14, and then you go to, and then he gives this great commission, you know, oh, power is going to follow you. And then you go down to verse 26 verses later, and it says, and they went out everywhere. So from verse 14 to verse 20, they, they go from the fearful, doubting unbelievers hiding in a room to going out everywhere, boldly preaching the gospel with signs and wonders following them. What happened between verse 14 to verse 20? Well, first of all, you must understand that these verses 9 through 20 did not happen in one day. In other words, verses 9 through 14 was describing them. Actually, even through his giving and his commission, all the way through verse 19, was on one day before Jesus sent it back to the Father. It was 10 days later on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 and suddenly fell upon the, the in the upper room and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit tongues of fire sat up on each of them and they were all filled and spoke in other tongues and they went out of that room and they were and, and were accused of being drunk because they were so filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter stands up on that day and he says to them he says these are not drunk as you suppose for this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh y'all with me now your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. And ah, y'all listen to me. And and he says, this is that. So anyway, then once Acts 2 came, then verse 20 of Mark 16 happened. They went out everywhere and preached the gospel uh, with the, the, the Holy Spirit confirming the word with signs following. Are you with me now? My point is simply this, and that is that for every generation, there has to be a people that goes forth to tell a generation that Jesus Christ is still alive. There has to be a people, not just in every generation, but in every area. It's not enough to have Life Church over in Fenton. There had to be a, 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 a branch cut off and planted over in Waterloo because there has to be a people who goes and tells that generation, that area, 
What do they tell them? It's not a dead gospel. It's not a message of theology and ideology. It's not a message of dog, dead doctrines. The Bible says they went out and the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We think many times, some churches think being a witness just means telling something. That's not what it means in the book of Acts when it says that they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That word witness was a legal term taken from the courtrooms of that day. A witness was one who stood on the stand and was interrogated or questioned by, uh, by the, the prosecuting or the defense attorneys. And they had to give witness. What did they give witness to? They could only give witness to what they saw. Are you with me now? Hearsay is not allowed in the courtroom. You don't give witness to what you've heard. You give witness to what you've seen. Are y'all with me now? You don't stand on the guess, uh, sit on the stand and say, "Well, I heard someone say, you know, that that person had a gun and he carried it into the store and he shot someone." You don't say it's not allowed. What you do is they call you on the stand when you say, "I was there and I saw." the gun in his hand. And I saw it. Y'all with me now? So when it says the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, what it was saying is Peter was saying, he, he was saying that he said, we don't tell you that Jesus is alive because we heard someone say it. We have seen him alive. Are you with me now? And we are witnesses of his resurrection by manifesting his power wherever we go. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, what that means to me, you ready for this? Ah, I like this. Listen, what that means to me is this. You ready for this? Oh, hallelujah. Listen, a message that will touch an area or a generation will never be a message that is just talk alone. Not just going and saying, Jesus loves you. Now that's important. Not just going in and even saying, Jesus died for you. Let me tell you something about this generation we live in. Most of them, atheists and churchgoers, whoever, most of this generation, they know those things. They've heard those things. But the message that will reach a generation, a message that will touch this area here, is a message that comes and says, I not only tell you this is what the Bible says, but I have come to give you proof that this Bible is true. I have seen the evidence of it in my life. You with me now? I've seen God, I've seen God change a person's life who was this way and miraculously they were delivered from those drugs miraculously they were delivered from that anger and now they're this kind of person i've seen that here they are i've seen that person that was sick full of disease and i've seen god touch them the power of god go through them and here they are see this they had cancer and now they're healed you see this with my own mom my own mom 
you know, she had cancer in her female organs. And I was in a service, we were in a service much like this on a Sunday morning years, many years ago. And my mom went up, got prayer, hands were laid on her, and my mother went back to the doctor, was tested again, and the cancer was completely gone. She was healed miraculously. She was healed. Can I tell you this? Hallelujah. That was about 50 years ago. She'll be 87 in October, and she's never had any cancer since then. Come on, somebody give praise. Hallelujah. I come to Waterloo to tell you not a gospel of word only, but I come not, oh, I come not in human eloquence or human wisdom, but I come in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God alone. Ah, I love that. You see, the gospel is a gospel of power. There are evidences. We are to bear witness. We are to give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just preachers or pastors. This is for the whole church. This is the priesthood of all believers. You can move in the power of God. You can, you can see God at work through your life. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are there evidences in your life that Jesus is alive? Can you prove he's alive by something that he's done in your life? Somebody shout amen if you can. Hallelujah dead religious people is sitting in a church hearing a message Sunday after Sunday but having no evidence in their life. It's a mere philosophy or ideology. Are you with me now? People wonder why that there are Christians who are boring and sad. You know, they're religious and then there are those who are radical can't keep them quiet. You can't get the smile off their face. You can't get rid of them. They're in your face all the time telling you about you. What's the difference? One has evidence and the other one doesn't. Y'all out there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The gospel of Christ does comes with power. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. I love these two verses I'm going to give you. So fascinating. Look at this. Paul said, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Now, now think about this. Just think about this. There you go. Now listen to this. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Now just think of that statement. Paul is away from them. He says, I'm going to be coming to your town shortly. He said, when I come, he said, I am going to know. What he's saying is, I'm going to know you. I'm going to know who's my brother and sister in Christ. Who's got the goods? Not by word, by what you say. He said, I'm going to know it by the power that you manifest in your life. 
It's interesting. He says, no, we're talking about look around. He says, I'm going to look. Do I see power evidence? Do I see, in other words, do I see the evidences of the resurrected Lord in your life? Do I see evidences of power? He said, that's how I'm going to know you. And he goes on to say this. He says in verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Look in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, where Peter says this, As his, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now just think about this moment. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Think of that statement. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I thought about that statement. Listen to this. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. First of all, it doesn't say that his message has given us. It says his power has given to us. Are you with me now? In other words, whenever you come to Christ, you study the word, you learn the word in different areas. It's not knowing the Bible about those things that brings those things to pass in your life. It's tapping into the power that is available in the gospel that releases those things in your life. He says, for the power of God is given to us. All things, he says this, to, uh, of life and God it is. Now, it hit me one day that he delineates between life and godliness, life and God. Godliness here would have to mean all things related to your spiritual life. Your relationship with God, the things of God, the things of the Spirit, that would be godliness, right? So what is life then? Life must be everything else besides our spiritual life. Are you with me now? So what he's saying here is he's saying not only does the power of God or evidence of the power of God in your life, is that what gives you the spiritual things in your life? It also is what gives you everything else in your life. In other words, let's think, what could everything else mean? I've already mentioned healing. Listen to this. Healing would definitely have to, in other words, healing of your physical body would definitely have to be considered as outside of your spiritual life, right? That deals with the physical body. He's saying the power of God also has given us things pertaining to that, things pertaining to life. That would be healing of your body. Think of this. It would have to be the blessing of our life financially. It would have to be provision. Provision is not your spiritual life. Provision is your money. Are you with me now? Y'all get what I'm saying? In other words, I don't know if you're catching my drift why I thought this was so important, the delineation between life and God. It hit me. It was important to me because it hit me, life and godliness. That God's supernatural power, the power of the resurrected Christ, in other words, the anointing upon your life, the gifts of the Spirit in your life, in operation in your life. Are you with me now? The things of the Spirit are not only to release the blessing of the Lord on your spiritual life, but they are to release the blessing of the Lord on everything else in your life. Your physical healing, your financial blessing. Finances in no way, shape, or form could be considered spiritual. They are a, they are a sign or a manifestation of spiritual things. That's why the Bible says... In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, Jesus said that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
But that's another point. That's just talking about it's an indicator of where your life is spiritually. But money is not spiritual. It's, it's, it's something outside of it. It's, it's other things concerning life. And my point is, he says, the power of God is include, includes those things when it moves in your life. In other words, God, God's power is available to bless you in every area of your life. Folks, can I stop and tell you this a moment? Do not ever buy into that stupid idea that has been propagated in our culture today of, of, of sacred and secular, that there are sacred things and secular things. And, and you know, in other words, a division between the church and state, that, that comes out of sacred and secular. There is no such thing as secular. Secular means to be outside of or without God. You with me now? There is nothing outside of or without God. You with me now? There is no secular and sacred. The reason that lie has been propagated by the devil is because he wants to keep the church inside the four walls and deem their faith to be only related to things inside the church. You with me now? We're told today, just be nice people. Be nice little Christians. Be tame little lapdogs. Do whatever you want to do inside the four walls of your church, but keep your blessed mouth shut outside the church. I'm tired of being told to be a little lap dog. Oh, I've always believed if you're going to be a bear. Oh, be a grizzly. You with me now? You know, what do you mean? Keep your mouth shut. You know, and so, well, you know there's the sacred and the second. That's a lie. Stupid. Even philosophically, that's stupid. You, there's no, there's no reasoning that can back that up. Everything came out of the womb of the spirit. Everything, the spirit is first, and then the natural. How the natural is only a, 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 is a only a reflection of the spiritual. The spirit was first, and then the natural. In the beginning, God. Yeah, hallelujah. Y'all with me now? Huh? Hallelujah. So there is no sacred. And second, back to our verse. Listen, his divine power has given to us, we could say it like this, everything that man deems to be sacred and everything they stupidly deem to be secular. Are you with me now? The power of God is involved in it all. And just before I move on and just hit this one, this thing again about finances, you know, we think about healing this way, but in your finances, look at poverty and lack. Look at it. Look at it as not just a problem you're dealing with. Look at it as a look at it as a stinking evil attack from the pit of hell against the will of God upon your life. Are you with me now? So that if you don't, you'll never believe that the power of God has anything to do with that. You'll just think you need to just manage your way out of it. And good management is important. It's required by God. But let me tell you something. There are some things that there, there haven't y'all realized that there's sometimes that the enemy is behind a, 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 a negative setback in our finances. Are you with me now? And you need to rebuke the devil off of what belongs to you. Are y'all with me now? Come on, somebody. So anyway, he says his divine power 
has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let me... Uh, you know, y'all get anything out of this today? Can I go on just a few minutes longer? All right, good. Listen, I'm not even to my main point yet. If any of you ever heard me preach, y'all know that's not unusual, right? Hallelujah. Cool, Rabbi. You know, the wound, the, you know, there's so many things that happen that are happening in our world today that has affected the church. And many times, really, every time in world history, what happens is, is that there becomes a, a trend, a, a philosophy, that it starts usually in the institutions, quote, higher learning. It starts in science or philosophy, and it begins to work its way down from there into the arts and entertainment and then into government, you know, and it goes on down from there. And then what happens is, is the church is usually about 10 steps behind that trend. But usually you can find that about 10 steps later, you'll find the church is following the trend that the, that the world has taken. So, so they, they, they still think that, oh, well, you know, man, we're spiritual. We're, man, we, we're Bible-believing because they are 10 steps behind the world. They're not as bad as the world. But in their thinking, slowly they adopt the world's mindset philosophy. Are you with me now? And so, now, now please follow me because this is digging a little deep here just a moment. But it's very important. So if you take, for example, the, if you take the, the idea of relativity or relative truth and so this is not just Darwin's theory, but we're talking about the idea that all truth is relative. There is no absolute truth. And we know that that is prevalent in our society today. That in fact, when I was a kid, you could go and tell someone, anyone, pretty much outside the church, you could tell them, say, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. He died for your sins, you know, and, you know, you know, he wants you to be his child. Come give your life to him. They may not accept that or they may not do it. But almost always they knew exactly what you were talking about. And they actually believed it, even though they may, they may not accept him, but they knew that was the truth. Y'all with me now? Now you speed up a couple or several decades later. Not that long, really. And now if you go to the world, much of the world, just go out here around this area. And you tell someone that same thing. 
And they will look at you like you came from Mars many times. They'll ask you, say, well, what Jesus are you talking about? We love Jesus. We think Jesus is wonderful. In fact, we follow some of his teachings. And you say, well, well, but he died for us. Well, we don't believe that. How in the world can our society come to that point? It's because they have come to believe that all truth is circular, that it's that it's relative. And so and so yeah, we can buy into, yeah, that's a good idea. That's that's kind of good what you're saying, except we don't believe all of it because you know that's all relative. There's no absolute truth. Now look, that's that's our society. What about the church? Relative truth has begun slowly to slip into the church. To where that now, now I'm just making a, point, a larger point here, so don't get stuck in this one. But to where that now, you see, go just Google it. They're out there. Uh, any of the studies, the polls, surveys done inside the church in our nation, asking them questions. And they'll ask him, Do you believe in God? You know, it's like, whatever, yes, you know, 100%. You know, because he's talking about church. You know, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? It'll go about down to 72%. In the church. Listen to this. Do you believe in the Ten Commandments? Do you believe that, there, that, that, that there's still absolute morality today? It'll go down to about 50%. Do you believe in homosexuality? That you know, same-sex relationships and marriage, whatever, that's good. That'll go down. Do you, do, you, uh, do you believe that's wrong? You know, that'll go down to below 50%. Are you all with me now? So my point is, is, is that's inside the church. So, so what has happened? The church begins gradually to adopt the philosophies of the world. And now you come to me today, standing up here, this guy standing here telling you this and preaching like I am, because of that flow of, of the church that is following culture, it makes me look like some old-fashioned, fire-breathing preacher, you know what I'm saying? Y'all with me now? When all I'm doing is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You with me now? But when you preach it as it is, it is such a stark, contrast it's a revelation are you with me now hallelujah and my point is simply this the sacred and secular has crept into the church where much of the church is bought into the idea that you know what my faith is personal yeah it's what i i get sick and tired of hearing this when people are questioned on tv and they say and then you know well do you believe you do you you know, this person believes that, you know, Muhammad, you know, and that, that's what do you believe that I heard it this other day on TV that they asked a, a guy, a pastor, they said, do you believe Christianity is superior to that? And he goes, well, I'm not saying superior. He said, this is just what I believe as a Christian. I wanted to just, oh, I wanted to punch the scream. Say, you idiot, you. What do you mean this is just what I believe? On the day of Pentecost, you don't hear Peter standing up and saying, well, I don't, this is just what I believe. Oh, baby. He said, this is that. 
this is that. Are you with me now? This is just what I believe. And I, I mean, I don't know, you know, when we've bought into this idea that, that, that faith belongs in the four walls of the church. And folks, listen, I think one thing I want to say to you today is this. I want to come here today and just kind of affirm, affirm and reconfirm what your pastor has been preaching to you and what this church is built on, that it's right. I got on your website yesterday. You know, before I come, that's what you do now, right, huh? And even I knew everything, but I still got on the website, you know. And and and, and I was happy. I liked it. it. You guys did a great job. That website, of course, yeah, it's, it's great. Of course, it's got Matt on there all over the place, but, it, but it's, I don't know what that's about. But anyway, uh, and it was... <laughs> No, I do get it. You know, he's talking about all these ex- extreme projects, you know. I loved it. But anyway, everything on that website was about extending extreme expression of Christianity out there. And you, I, you're probably already hearing it till you're sick of it now. I, I, but I hope you're not. I come here today to affirm and reconfirm to you that that's not just, uh, that's not just a cute, mission for a church that is the mission of the church of Jesus Christ we belong out there that's where that's where we belong and can I tell you this that's what the power of God is for it's not for us just inside the church it does work inside the church I'm telling you I think miniature, if we keep it inside the church, it's like taking dynamite and blowing up a piggy bank. It's a good picture, isn't it, huh? You need to find something out there, a big mountain that really needs blown up. And take this dynamite of what you have. What is it? You can go and do all these search projects. That's, as you know, and I know your pastor says this, even on the website, that these, these give us a voice out into the community. It's like, this is our calling card. I think he used that. These are our calling card. You know, but you give your calling card so you can gain an entrance. Jesus in John 4, he went and sat on that well that day by that woman, that Samaritan, and he got a drink. I'm convinced. He was probably thirsty, but that was not the point. He went in and and asked to drink out of what was deemed to be by the Jews of that day a stinking, filthy Samaritan cup. She made that cup. The Samaritans made their cups that they brought to the well and got their water with. And Jesus asked her to use her cup to give him a drink out of her filthy cup. Why did he do that? He did it to gain entrance into her life so he could say to her, now let me tell you something. You've got natural water. I've got supernatural water. I've got something if you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, give him praise in this place. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, give him praise. We love you. We love you. Oh, Rabba Sekele, Rabba Setete. 
We love you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. The power of God is just present in this place right now. You know what? I like I've been going on the last one. I could just go on like this for all afternoon. Would you stay? Alright. Him and I, we'll stay. We'll just go on like we'll go on like this. I guess you get the point. You get the point. That the world needs a church. So what is the point? Well, tell me, what is the point? The church, the world needs a church, a people who will, who will live its culture outside of the four walls of the church. Listen, in a way that expresses a witness of the resurrection of the Jesus Christ. In other words, when you step out, when you live your culture outside of the four walls of the church, you bring the power of Christ with you. You take evidence with you. You know, people have said sometimes to me, oh, Pastor, you know, I can't talk to people about Jesus. I can't witness it. And I tell them, say, has God ever done anything for you? Oh, yeah. What has he done? Just go tell them. That's what the apostles did. They went and gave witness to what they saw, what they experienced. Go and give witness to what you see. You go go be go be cleaning the gutter, and that's your calling card. And then the person in the house begins to talk to you, and then you tell give give them witness of what you've experienced and what you see. Y'all out there? Now, you know, hallelujah. Has anybody got anything out of this today? Huh? You know, let me just say this. Let me just say this. I believe. I believe if you all hang in there Stay united again. Stay focused. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose your faith. I believe that God can use this church to touch. I mean, I believe people can come, will come far and wide. There's no need. This church, not talk about when we had that 19 people were in that little room. You know what? We didn't have some of the things you've got here now. I mean, in place here. Certainly didn't have the people. My point is, is this: is that you, you've got it. You've got you've got leaders who love God, who are full of faith, full of vision. You've got people here, strong. There's a number of strong believers here. You, you've got a good spiritual structure here. You, you've got a, a, an understanding of getting outside the walls of the church. You've got a love. There's a love here. This is not a condemning church. This is a loving church. Y'all with me now? So my point is that there's good fellowship here. There is no reason in the world this should not continue to grow and grow and grow. Are you with me now? So you're no longer here, wherever else, doing some, you know, another place, buy a place, build a place, whatever. But listen to me. It takes time. It takes time. And it's important for you to never become weary 
in well-doing. You go through seasons where that you think, you know, oh man, it's not as exciting as it was. You go through lots of those seasons, and then it gets more exciting, and then you go through another season. Stay faithful, stay full of faith in those seasons so that God can do what he wants to do. Y'all out there? Hallelujah. You say, yeah, it won't all happen in a month or a year. You know, you just hang there and gradually God will fulfill what he wants you to do. And look, I see it. I believe, I believe, man, I'll stand here, not in this building. I'll stand here in Waterloo one of these days, and I'll be preaching and say, all y'all back there in the, in the bleachers back there, give me a wave. Everybody do a wave. Woo! Can you see it? 